You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Hopefully you got tissues uh, or a hanky because uh, we're going to talk about our emotions. So I hope you're ready for that. Uh, we're all emotional people. People are emotional. That's the way we are. Um, and there are good emotions and there are bad emotions. Um, you probably could have guessed a little bit by the text some of the emotions we're going to talk about this evening. But before we get into emotions and getting specific, we, I want to start with a, a foundational statement that I, I know we all believe and we all know, and, but we often need to be reminded about that. And that is, God is good. Three words. God is good all the time. Right? He is never not good. Even when our emotions might say otherwise, even though we, when we may convince ourselves otherwise, or even when our emotions may get the best of us, may overwhelm us, uh, God is always good. And we, as we go through tonight's sermon uh, and message, keep that in mind all the time. That needs to be in the back of your mind, that needs to be in the front of your mind, everywhere as you think, as we go through things, and this should just be a thing we do all day, every day, is understand that God is good. And everything and everything of our lives and everything that we do, God is good. So that's where we want to start thinking about is that God is good. So Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Uh, God gets really specific here with anger and how angry men and angry people are. And he makes a coalition there with fools and anger. No one wants to be a fool. Um, and if we're not careful, we can very easily, even as saved individuals, act very foolish. So I'm going to start off with a quick illustration. Um, for if you know me or don't know me, I guess I'll just if you pretend like you don't. I run at a restaurant, work at a restaurant, where we serve uh, food, burgers, dogs, things like that, hot dogs, footlongs, and ice cream. All right, we, we sell ice cream cones, sundaes. Uh, we call them avalanches. They're like blizzards, but I'm not allowed to say that word. Um, but now it's on the internet forever. Uh, but we, we serve malt, shakes, things of that nature, right? Good, good healthy, invigorating things. Uh, okay, it might not be healthy, but it sure does taste good, all right? Um, so we sell ice cream. And as you can imagine, this time of year, right, if you sit outside for any amount of time tonight, it's hot out. And when it gets hot, ice cream sounds even better, right? That's, I mean, ice cream's always good, but when it's hot, it's even better. So we, we are busy this time of year, right? May, June, July, August, September, those are real busy months for us. us school is out, people come, they, they come a lot, they spend money, they help us stay in business, they eat ice cream, and it's a good, good trade. Ice cream for money, I like it, you know, on both sides. Um, so we have lots of people that come through our restaurant. Um, and it, even though you would be surprised, you would think, how could you be angry with ice cream. How is that possible? If you have ice cream, how is anger even part of the equation? But you'll be surprised, or maybe not so. People are people, and we get angry at crazy things sometimes. So I have a story about an angry person and ice cream. So we had a, a big group come in, and this has probably been a couple years ago, and I may have told this story before. If you're in my Sunday school class, you may have heard it, so I apologize if you have. Um, but we had a bunch of people coming in, and we, you know, they were sitting down, they were lining up for ice cream. Everyone's mostly pretty patient when there's lines, getting through people. Um, but we have these things called supreme treats, and they usually come in like an old-fashioned parfait glass, and they're usually like layered with 
like Reese's peanut butter cup and hot fudge and then ice cream and then more hot fudge and more Reese's peanut butter cup and ice cream and then whipped cream on the top, more Reese's peanut butter cup and a little cherry, maraschino cherry on top, right? Doesn't, sound, doesn't that not sound amazing? I mean, no, they were all going to ice cream after church tonight. So we make a lot of those, and they, they're, they're really good. There's lots of ice cream there, and they're pretty. Like, they look nice, right? They're, they're aesthetically pleasing, um, and we make a ton of those. So we had a guy come through and his friends, and he wanted extra cherries. I mean, how many of you like those maraschino cherries? They're like candy. They're really not cherries. They're candy, right? This guy wanted some extra cherries, and we're like, yeah, sure, no problem. And so he ring, asks, tells us what he wants. Just, we'll just say a fudge brownie supreme, right? That's what he wants. And can I get like three extra cherries? No problem. So we ring up his fudge brownie supreme, and then we hit the button for three cherries. And all of a sudden he sees 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents show up on the, on the screen. He's like, whoa, what are you doing? The price says it this. Why is it going up? It's like, well, you wanted, he wanted more cherries. Well, I don't want to pay for them. And, you know, be, you try to be, I'm human too, right? And you try to be nice, and you try to be kind, and you try to explain, oh, I understand. Unfortunately, these are extra charges. We give you one, it comes with it. If you want more, there is a 10 cent, a whole dime charge for each extra cherry. Well, that's ridiculous, okay? Again, you get one, it comes with it. If you want more, it costs 10 cents. Fine, fine, whatever, fine. Okay, so he begrudgingly agrees to pay the extra 30 cents for his extra three cherries. So we ring it up, they make it, they put it down at the end of the counter. He goes and picks it up, and he's just steaming the whole time watching him make it. I can't believe I have to pay for extra cherries. I mean, you could just see it in his face, right? He's, he is steaming for 30 cents. Um, and so he gets his, his stuff, and his buddies get his stuff, and they go outside. We have a couple picnic tables outside. You go outside and you were busy, so you really don't pay attention. You move on to the next person and just take care of people. Well, next thing I know, I kind of catch out of the corner of my eye that group is standing out there, and all of a sudden I see him step back, kind of wind up with something red in his hand and just, boom, throw three cherries against the window with some whipped cream attached to it and just goes on the outside of the window, just splatters and runs down long streaks of maraschino cherry juice and ice cream and turns around and storms off to his car and drives away. So, I mean, logically, let's, you know, he, he was upset. This is what got, I laughed. He was upset at buying three cherries for 30 cents and then proceeded to take those three cherries instead of eating them, threw them at my window. So he might as well just take three dimes and throw them at me and, you know, what, what does it do? But he was, he was furious. He was angry that we charged him 30 cents for three cherries and so mad that he was willing to take the thing he was so upset about and just try to, I don't know, rub it in a little bit, try to make my life miserable, try to, try to make us more work. I don't know what the purpose was or it was just anger, not thinking about it. And he threw his cherries at the window. And so we had a mess to clean up, but we already had his 30 cents that he paid for the three cherries and we had a man walk away very angry. Now, that type of customer doesn't apply to anybody in here, clearly. We, we aren't like that, right? We would never respond in that manner. I hope that's true. I hope, I hope we would never do that. We might do it in here, maybe in here. Hopefully we would never act that way. That's not a very great testimony for a Christian to have. But um, people are that way. People get angry. And it was a silly thing to be mad about, but he was furious about it. So I want to ask you, you know, 
talk about a fool, right? Verse number nine, that was definitely a foolish behavior that he, he exhibited because of his anger. Now look at yourself as a Christian, okay? We're, we're human, we sin, we are not perfect. And I'm gonna venture to guess if you're anything like me, and if not, I'm just gonna be transparent and, and throw myself under the bus. We get angry, I get angry. I get upset, I get frustrated. I might even lash out at people that I know, people that I don't know. I, have, I can be angry, I can get frustrated, and I can lash out at people. So how do we respond when, when you go to a restaurant like that and your order is made incorrectly? How do you respond? I, man, another example. The Lord's amazing how he does things. We're coming, so we live in Brookings. We're coming up, getting up from 29, getting on 90 to head this way. And, you know, when you come on the on-ramp, it's coming around, and there's two lanes. There were two trucks, just regular pickup trucks, and they, like, matched to my speed and would not move to let me merge onto I-90. And I'm like, you know, you're watching. Like, come on, you got to get over. You got to get over. You got to get Why aren't you getting over? And I'm doing this out loud with my son there going to camp and my daughter back here watching everything I do. And I'm yelling at this pickup truck, why aren't you getting over? And I hit the brakes, and my son just got done taking his uh, driver's test. So he's like, Dad, they don't have to. You're supposed to yield. (laughs) Which is true. Okay? Doesn't mean I liked it. But immediately, as soon as I get down, I was like, huh, okay, Lord, you want another example for tonight? I guess I will be the example for anger and frustration. I didn't throw cherries at the guy's door, but I was mad that he wasn't getting over. What a jerk. And it's on me to slow down. I mean, I'm supposed to yield. So even as Christians, right, and good people, we get angry because we're sinful, because we're not perfect. So we need to understand and we need to view ourselves in that manner. I could have driven on and steamed the rest of the way to to church about how mad I was that this guy wouldn't move. But because I preached this, I'm preaching this message, God was like, yeah, you've got anger problems too, bud. And so I realized that and I'm like, yep, I do. I have an anger issue. I have an anger problem. In that instance, right then, right there, I was frustrated and mad. And, and I even voiced it in front of my children. We have anger problems sometimes. So when your order is made wrong, how do you respond? When your child refuses to obey for the third time, how do you respond? When someone gossips about you and it's not true at all, how do you respond? When your spouse does that one thing that just drives you up the wall, how do you respond? How do we respond? And usually it's with people we know even more, know better. People that we know well, we tend to be more ourselves and we will be angry and maybe even treat them worse than strangers or our friends. We'll let our spouse have it if they don't do what we expect them to do. How many times have we told you this, 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 this? And here you are again, and we'll let them have it. And we'll be angry about it. But the Bible tells us about anger. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. If you're angry all the time, if your response to things often is anger, that's something that sounds like it's resting kind of in who you are. And the Bible tells us someone that is that way is is foolish. The fool is the one that's angry all the time. If it's yelling, slamming doors, foaming at the mouth, threatening, we have an emotional problem. We have an emotional anger problem. And the fools are the ones that get caught up in anger, not Christians. Christians are supposed to handle their anger. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But fools get caught up in anger and they do not handle their emotions. When we get angry, 
We rarely, rarely see ourselves as fools, though. Often we'll try to justify our anger. Our anger, our frustration, we'll use different words besides anger because it's not so harsh, but our frustration, our annoyances, they are, they're justified because this, that, or the other. And that's why I did what I did, because so-and-so did that, or because this situation did that. But the problem with that is anger, it's, it's an emotion, but it's a choice. Yes, sir. Anger is a choice. Proverbs 19.11. Go there if you would. Proverbs 19.11. You're not that far. Proverbs 19.11. Anger is a choice. <clears throat> Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. So the discretion or the ability to discern, right, to, to see what's a good choice, to see what's a bad choice, when you defer that anger, meaning you make a choice to not get angry, you make a choice to not get frustrated, you make a choice to not be annoyed, and it even says that if you pass over those things that would cause you to be frustrated or annoyed or get angry and you let them go, that's a glory to you as a person. It's, it's an honor to you. It's, it's a positive thing. If you're able to maybe even what we would consider justly be angry at something, but you let it go, the Bible says it's a glory to pass over that transgression. The thing is, is we always have a choice concerning our emotions. We do. We, are, we can let them run us. It's a very easy thing to do. And there are a lot more emotions we can talk about. Um, we are emotional people. That's how God made us. God gave us emotions. But we, if we're not careful, we can let and allow our emotions to rule us. But we have the opportunity and the ability to choose how to use our emotions. This verse here that we just read says the one that's wise, the one that uses discretion, will defer his anger or will choose not to be angry. Will defer it. Proverbs 16.32, you've probably heard this before, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. If you're slow to anger, the Bible says you are, you're better than those that we look at as heroes, as mighty, as strong. One that's able to defer his anger and not, not just suppress it, but to be slow to anger and to defer that anger, you're better than the mighty. Proverbs 14.29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Very similar to the verse we read here in Ecclesiastes. Being slow to wrath, being slow to anger, shows wisdom, shows understanding, shows maturity, right? It shows your ability and understanding of, of what God says about anger, what God says about you, what God says about other people. And it says if you're slow to that, you're, you're a man of understanding. But the one that's quick to be angry, hasty in their spirit to be angry, exalteth folly. That means you take foolish behavior and things that don't make sense that are opposite of God and you exalt that. And say, this is how it should be. That's what you do when you're quick to anger. And I'm, again, be, let's be honest with ourselves. There has been times you've been quick to anger. There have been times I've been quick to anger. I gave you an example tonight. So now I expect everybody to give me an example of when you've been close to quick to anger so I feel better about myself, okay? Just meet me at church. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Um, but we, we are. We are quick to anger. We snap, right? There are things that happen and we're, all, we're just done. It's over. Boom, and then we explode. Right? We are quick to anger. And when we do that, when we make that choice or allow our emotions to make that choice for us, we say, folly is exalted. This is the kind of behavior that I believe we sh I should promote. 
And that's what we do when we're, when we're quick and hasty of spirit to that anger. Being slow to anger shows understanding. We need as Christians to learn how to make our choices, how to make choices that help us control our anger. Control our being upset, our frustration. Again, not letting our anger control us. Now we do know if you go back in the Bible and you see Jesus, there are examples of good anger. The Bible does tell you to be angry, right? We all know that verse, be angry and sin not. But it does say to be angry, right? So there obviously is good anger in the Bible. The Bible does talk about bad anger, as we saw as well. But let's talk about some good anger. And that's in John 2, when, when Jesus came into the temple. The money changers were there, taking advantage of people, taking advantage of the time, in the wrong place, and just, just doing all the things that should not be done. And Jesus got angry. But now, he didn't just fly off the handle. He chose to be angry in that moment. He came in, saw what was happening, happening and decided to be angry. And he was in complete control. Right? He was in complete control of his anger the whole time. And he, was, he wasn't angry at the people, per se. He was angry at the sin and the sinful behavior that was happening. Right? The, the blasphemy that was happening is what caused him to be angry. He flipped over the money changers' tables, right? And he made a whip. And he's like, get out of here. And he very controlling, intentionally, on purpose, showed anger at the sin that they were committing in the temple. And taking advantage of the people in the temple. Anger can help us drive out sin in our lives. Anger can be used as a tool to drive sin away. To push it out. But it's in our own lives. Uh, go to Romans chapter 7 real quick. Romans. So we're going to go back to, or we've been in the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament here real quick. Romans chapter 7. Anger can be used positively even in our own lives every day. So Romans chapter 7, drop down to verse number 18. And here we have Paul talking, and he's talking about himself. And if you pay attention to what he's saying and how it kind of progresses, you probably can sense a little frustration in his voice here. So verse 18 says, For I know that, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I, would do, that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law in my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So you see Paul saying, when I, I'm following God. I believe God's word. I want to do the right thing that God wants me to do. But when I, I can't, sometimes I do the things I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I don't do those. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing them. I find a war within myself. And we know that's the old nature and the new nature. He says, I find this war and it's, oh, wretched man that I am. I see the frustration in himself towards himself. And even maybe a little anger about why do you do the things you do? Why don't you do the things you should do? And he's a little frustrated at himself. And Paul shows us that through the Holy Spirit's power, with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord on our side, you can get rid of that sin that's in your life. Now, you can't get rid of all sin. We are sinners until we become 
perfect and see Jesus in person, we will have sin forever. But that doesn't mean we have to live with it. That doesn't mean we have to be okay with it. Paul is saying he's not okay with the sin that's in his life, and he wants to get it out. And he has a little bit of anger there. Not sinful anger, but anger towards himself. Have you ever been angry with yourself? Have you ever done something, you're like, oh, you, right? Smack my face with my palm. So angry, so stupid, why would you do that? And there are other emotions that are tied in with those, some guilt, right? Some frustration. But when you understand and you see how you are, right? When you step out of yourself a little bit and see the way you react, maybe you spouted off at your spouse and you were unkind and you realize that you're, and you're like, dummy, why did you talk to her that way? She doesn't deserve that. No, she did nothing to deserve that and yet I spouted off. And you come to the realization of yourself of what you've done, you can use that anger towards yourself to change your behavior, to change the way you respond, to remember not to be hasty to, to that wrath, but to be slow to anger. The Holy Spirit can use that self-judgment to help us remove sin from our life. Now, he's not going to push us to a place where we're just overly guilty for everything we've ever done. Jesus' blood covers that sin, and it's gone forever, right? That, that's not something you have to pay for, but the sin that we live with and the way we live our lives, we can use and kind of self-judge ourselves and have some anger in that to push that behavior away and change the way we act. So that's some good anger. A couple things of bad anger. Uh, bad anger is often directed at people, other people. Proverbs 29:22 says, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Angry men, everywhere they go, if you've got someone that you just know, they have an angry attitude. They're just always cross, always upset, always frustrated. Everywhere they go, it's strife. It's, it's constant, ugh, just frustration, and you don't want to be around that kind of person, right? But that's what the Bible says. Anywhere that an angry person is just always angry, there's strife there all the time. Whatever the causes of anger, though, whatever comes in our life that causes anger, God holds us accountable on how we respond to that. God holds us responsible on how we respond to an anger things that cause anger come into our life. And when we use anger and lash out at people or hurt other people, maybe, I mean, if you've ever been angry and said something mean to get back at somebody because of the way they made you feel, I've done that. I've said things mean, and I might even thought them and thought they were true and said it to intentionally bring that person down a notch because I felt angry and frustrated with how they were treating me, so I responded in anger. God holds me responsible for that. That's a choice I made. And I didn't, I was not slow to anger, and then I used my words to hurt somebody else and to take them down. God does not let us get away with that. God doesn't say, ah, it's okay. We try to justify our anger, though, don't we? When, when a situation like that happens, when we say something, it's like, well, yeah, but that's because they said this about me. And that's not 100% true, so I had to take them down a notch. And we justify ourselves. We, we try to blame the other person for our behavior, how we feel. Maybe we, it's mistrust. Maybe it's isolation. We feel isolated. We feel like we don't trust them or they don't trust us. Maybe it's even perceived offenses. I feel like they'd feel this way about me or they probably think that about them. And we have perceived offenses and that can cause us to be angry. 
and lash out. But nobody, no one, no human being, no person has the power to make you angry. Now we hear that all the time. Oh, they make me so mad. No, they don't. You choose. Nobody has the power to make you angry. Nobody. Only you have the power to choose whether to be angry or not. They can do things that might cause some frustration. They may do things that we as a human would say, that makes me angry. What they're doing is just makes me so mad. But you don't have to get mad. You have a choice. They can't make you do anything. Anger is a choice. And when we use it to lash out or to hurt, then it's sin. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. When anger is used improperly, anger is sin. Just like drinking is sin. Just like cursing is sin. Anger is sin. It is a sin. It's, it's, it's period. That's the way it is. And we allow that to be in our life. And sometimes, and I'll say especially as men, this seems to be a problem with men more than women, but it's not exclusive in it by any means. We can just be, oh, I'm just an angry man. It runs in my family. My grandpa was an angry man. My dad was an angry man. I'm just an angry man. It's just, it's just how we are. Well, that's because you're living in your own flesh and you aren't allowing the Holy Spirit to change who you are. When we live in our own flesh and we are ourselves, yeah, we're angry people, we're selfish people, we're prideful people. We are rotten when we live in of ourselves. When we allow the Holy Spirit to change us and control us and to guide us, then we don't have to be that angry man that Grandpa was and Dad was and my uncle is. It doesn't have to continue that way. Jesus has changed all those things for us. Anger is rooted in a couple different things. One of the very first things is it's rooted in selfishness. <clears throat> we want things our way. Pretty simple. When we don't get it, or when we feel as if we've lost control, we're powerless, that can make us angry. When we don't get the things we want, or the when, when we want them, or how we want them, that can cause us to get angry. It's selfishness. Uh, we want control over our circumstances. Control over our destiny what we're going to do. And really, we want control over other people too. And if they don't act in the way that I want them to act, well, then I get angry. But people don't always cooperate, do they? People don't always act the way you want them to act. Most of the time, they don't act the way you want them to act. You know why? Because they're going, I wish you would act the way I want you to act. Because they're thinking the same way that you are. And so when both of you are saying, well, if you would act this way, that would make me better, we are human. We are people. Selfishness is one of the very first ways, one of the very first reasons for anger. Let me give you a couple quick scenarios. Um, so you work in an office, right? You have an idea, you tell the boss this great idea you have at work, and the boss just blows you off. Shoots it down and says, no, that'll never work. And just blows you off, maybe even rude about it. So you go back to your cubicle or your office or wherever you are, and you get it, and you're like, what's his problem? Doesn't he see what a great idea that is? It would work awesome. I have all these plans laid out, but I have a great idea, and he just shot me down, like, no problem. You stew over it. You think about it. You get angry about it. Who is he? How smart? He hasn't even done this job very long anyway. He doesn't, I mean, I've been doing this longer than him. Whatever your reasons would be, and you sit there and be angry. Or let's bring it to getting ready for church. This is probably more for those of you with kids and, and spouses, but you're getting ready for church, and I'll just tell it from the husband's perspective, okay? Uh, you're getting ready for church, um, and you're ready to go, probably because you only had to take care of yourself, but that's beside the point. You're ready to go. The wife isn't quite ready. She's still working on getting a couple of the kids ready, and you're just like, let's go. It's time. We should have left five minutes ago. We're going to be late for choir practice now because you and the kids aren't ready. Come on, let's go, and you're trying to speed it up. 
right? You're waiting in the car, got the air conditioning going, being a good husband. Ready to go. Wife gets in the car, kids get in the car, you slam that car in reverse and you're like, step on it. And the kids are bouncing all, they don't even have their seatbelts on yet. One of the kids hits their face in the back of your car. You're like, put your seatbelt on. As if it's their fault. And you storm, you drive 10 miles an hour over the speed limit to church going, man, now we're going to be late to choir practice. Everyone's going to see us walk in. Pastor's going to be like, oh my goodness, why can't you get here on time? All because we couldn't get up early enough, we couldn't get ready. Now we're going to be late. So why do we get mad in those situations? They're exaggerated a little bit. I promise that's never happened in my life. <laughs> Stop judging me. We are, we, you know, why do we get mad in those situations? Uh, in the office idea, are you concerned for the good of the company? You, you, are you concerned that the, your, the company will miss out on all this profits from your great idea and it's going to take your company to the next level? You, that may be there. You might say, yeah, but really, you're upset that your idea got shot down. You're upset that you got belittled, that you weren't valued to what you feel like you should be valued at. Your ego really was deflated, and that's why you're mad. Husband, are you mad because you're so concerned for the spiritual welfare of your family that you got to get to church on time, and if we aren't, then their spiritual life just isn't going to be what God intends for it to be? Absolutely not. You're embarrassed about being late, and you're inconvenienced by your family, and that's why you're really mad. So when we look at it, it has nothing to do with the high road. It has everything to do with what I want. And that's the problem with us as human beings. That's how we live our life. Even as Christians, if we're not careful, we will live our life with how I want. And that will cause us anger. Because you're not always going to get what you want. Things aren't always going to go the way you want them to go. And when you put everything on that, the selfishness and really the pride you're going to find yourself in angry situations. And then usually, if that's your viewpoint, you're probably going to lash out. You're probably going to slam the, the car into reverse and cause everyone to just be either terrified or just afraid to say a word or angry at you. And now you've caused strife, and yeah, your spiritual welfare of your family is off to a really rough start that morning. Selfishness is a big area in pride, or area in for anger. The second one, as we get here towards the end, Anger is also rooted in pride, and these things go hand in hand. We get angry when our feelings get hurt. Uh, it's, it's really pride and, and selfishness are, are one and the same. So if we look at how we handle anger in the prideful way, when we're prideful, we hang, handle anger wrongly, we vent. right? We, we take the lid off. It's like taking a lid off an Instapot. Anybody have an Instapot, a pressure cooker? Now imagine if you had that thing pressured up and it was cooking things and you didn't wait for it to release. You just went and twisted it. Boom! That lid would pop off. Right? When we're prideful and we allow pride to rule our lives, that's how our anger will be sometimes. We'll pr it'll pressurize, it'll, it'll pent up, and all of a sudden, boom, something will happen that causes us to flip our lid, lose control, snap, break, whatever the case may be. We let it build and build and build and then eventually, boom, it bursts. And guess what? In that situation, Instapot or anger, there's no control, right? There's, you have zero control over that Instapot in that moment. And in those moments, you have zero control over yourself. We sometimes, so that's venting, sometimes we'll clam up. Guys are good at this too. I'm sorry, just ragging on the guys today. But guys sometimes do that. We're really good at what we call stonewalling, right? Or just suppressing compartmentalizing, whatever words we want to use. We'll take our anger, our frustration, and we won't, we won't vent. We'll just put it somewhere. 
and we'll keep it there, and then we'll just, every time something happens, we'll just keep putting it, and we'll put it, we'll keep putting it away, and, and your wife, because she knows you'd be like, what's wrong? Nothing. Putting it away. What's wrong? I can tell something's wrong. No, I'm fine. Are you, are you angry or something? Not at all. Putting more anger in here. I'm not mad at all. I'm fine. Why do you ask? I'm fine. Putting anger away. Putting anger away. And we say, we're not, I'm not getting angry, and you'll tell yourself that, because again, we justify ourselves. Say, I'm not getting angry, I'm fine. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not lashing out. I'm not yelling. I'm not angry. Clearly, it's none of the visible things are out there. And that's how we tell ourselves it's okay. But we keep putting it in, and we are angry. We are frustrated. And the thing with anger is you can't really hide it, right? If you're married for any amount of time, your, your spouse will know when things are off, when there's some anger there. And then the problem with anger that we put away when we internalize anger and continue to put it away, what starts to happen? It starts to take root. And you know what happens when things start to take root in our, in our hearts? We start to get bitter. And then all of a sudden our relationships are just on edge. And we become bitter at the things around us. We become bitter at the people around us. We become bitter at the world around us because we're just stuffing anger, pushing it away, internalizing it, never actually dealing with it and pretending as if it doesn't exist. And then... Now all of a sudden we've got this root of bitterness that is starting to, to, to take hold of our heart. And we just keep feeding it that anger over and over and over again. When anger, when anger lingers, it always turns to bitterness. Always. Anger not dealt with always turns to bitterness. Anger needs to be handled. It needs to be taken care of. It can't be just pushed away. And it can't be just bursted out at people too and lashed out at people. Both sides of anger need to be taken care of. Lashing out at people, you're going to ruin your relationships. You're going to be an angry man or angry woman and no one's going to want to be around you. If you're putting it away, you're going to internalize that anger and you're become a bitter person. And bitterness doesn't just hurt us. Bitterness always leeches out and hurts those around us. When, when you're bitter, the people in your life will be hurt by it. They just will. It's just that's it's the way things are and how bitterness works. So bitterness and anger has to be dealt with. So how do we do that? What are some things we do? The Bible tells us in Ephesians and in Colossians to put off and put away bitterness, wrath, anger. Put off all these anger, wrath, malice. The Bible tells us to put all those things off. And that, that gives the idea of like taking a coat off, taking a sweater off. It's there, right? You have it. Take it off. Put it off. Choose to not be angry. Choose to not respond that way. Take it off. Put it off. Recognize that it's there. Admit that you have it there and then take it off like a jacket. And then when you do those things and you start to choose to not be angry, how do you go back and deal with the anger you have? There's a couple things you can do. When it deals with people, what does Matthew tell us to do? And the book of Matthew tells us to go to the person. Often we'll get angry at someone, and it's usually someone we know, maybe not super close, but an acquaintance or something, and we get angry at them or we're hurt by them, and we stuff it and we stuff it and we keep getting angry and anger and bitter. The Bible tells us to go to those people and talk to them. Those are uncomfortable conversations sometimes. But they're, they're, they're the biblical way of handling hurt, handling anger, handling transgressions among Christians is to talk to one another. Right? That doesn't mean go up and then put the finger in their face and you really made me angry when you said this. That is not biblical. It may be true, but that's not the way the Bible tells us to. The Bible tells us to do it humbly. To go to the one that's made us upset, 
to go to the one that's caused anger to be in our hearts and go to them humbly and try to reconcile that situation. Reconciliation is always the goal, to, to restore that relationship. The Bible tells us to go to that person with a humble spirit and say, you really hurt me. Or I perceive that this is what happened. Is this, is this true? And have that conversation, not in a way that you're going to nail them to the wall, but in a way you want to restore that relationship. And another, on the flip side, if anyone ever comes to you, if everyone ever comes to us, guys, as Christians, if someone comes to you and says, I was really hurt by this, don't immediately put the walls up and be like, how dare you? I would never. And start the anger on your side. Understand that they're humbling themselves coming to you because they want to rectify that situation and be willing to have that conversation. It takes both sides to do that. So if someone ever comes to you and said that you did something to hurt them, want to make it right. And if someone hurts you, go to them and want to make it right. God expects both parties to be willing. It's not one job or the other, it's both. So when that anger is there and that bitterness is there, go to those people. It can be hard. The longer that bitterness has been rooted there, the harder it is to root it out. The harder it is to dig that out. But it, it's got to be done. If you want to have a right relationship with each other and a right relationship with your Lord, you have to get rid of that bitterness. You have to get rid of that anger. You can't, I can't be angry at Gabe and be right with God. I can't. I can't be angry with him and let, just never try to fix it, never rectify it, just be mad, mad all the time. Every time I see Gabe, I'm like, oh, what a jerk. I don't. I love Gabe. Just FYI, there's no hidden things here. But I couldn't be that way and then be like, yep, yeah, me and God, we're good. That doesn't make any sense. Because God loves Gabe. God loves me. But if I don't have a good relationship with Gabe, then I have a problem. Not Gabe in this situation, not God. And I can't say I'm good with God. I have to be good with you if I'm going to be good with God. So don't excuse that anger. Don't excuse that bitterness and say it's fine. It's not fine. Next, give a soft answer. Proverbs 15.1 says to give a, a, a soft answer turns away wrath. Be soft. Talking about problems can be emotional. It can be. When you talk about anger, it can get emotional. But yelling is not communicating. Right? Shouting is not communicating. Telling them how they hurt you, not communicating. Talk about it. Act, don't react. Um, Proverbs 15.28. Let's go there. That'll be the last one we go to here. Proverbs 15.28, and I'll be wrapping up. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out, poureth out evil things. When you're having those conversations, when you're talking to one another, the, the smart and the wise and the righteous thing to do would to be think about what you're going to say. Have, have a plan, have a goal in mind, and, and talk to them about what's happening. Don't just go out there and ready to, without a plan and just blurt it out, all the things that they did. The goal, again, is to restore that relationship. So when anger is there and you want to talk about it, which is good, you're making that first step, have a plan. Study out. Think about what you're going to say with a goal in mind of restoring those things. Act on purpose. Don't react, but act intentionally. Don't assume to know what other people think, right? Don't assume that they're thinking something and that's how they must be. Always seek knowledge. Always seek understanding. Always try to understand those people and then listen. That'll solve, guys, again, that'll solve a lot of issues in the marriage, just listening, right? Just hearing, just being smart, not, think, not speaking before we think. 
And then be willing to let some things go. You don't always have to fight. We talk, the first we talked about earlier, the glory to let those transgressions go. You don't always have to be right. Sometimes you can let some things go. And then lastly, give God control. If we're living a spirit-controlled life, and that should be our goal, is to every day when we wake up, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to control our thoughts, to control our actions, to act in a way that he would act if he were here, to be like Christ, right? That's our goal as Christians. We're to be like him. Be his ambassadors. Be his, his people. So if we're going to be that way, that means we have to walk a Holy Spirit-led life. We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to yield to him. Don't give in to the flesh. Like Paul was saying, don't give in to that carnal side. Even if you have the right, don't give in to the carnal reaction. Don't give in to the anger. Give God control. Give the Holy Spirit control. If we live in that manner and allow him to control us, you'll find you'll be getting angry a lot less often because the Holy Spirit will never direct you in that way unless you've got some money changers tables to tip over or something like that. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way that you lash out at your spouse. You're, you're the, the Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way that you slam the car into reverse and speed to church because you're angry that we're late. The Holy Spirit will never move you in that direction. All right, I'm finished. Uh, if you would stand with me, please. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.